Great to have you listening to this week's Vandermeer's View podcast. And what a treat we have for you this week. Scott McClelland, president of HEB Food and Drug. And you've seen him in the commercials with all the athletes, with Deshaun Watson and Tyron Matthew last year, Roger Clemens back in the day. The list goes on and on and on. And it's fun stuff to watch this on TV. He kind of plays a character in the commercials. He's a super interesting guy. Wait till you hear some of this stuff about the competition in the grocery business. But let's start off hearing about some of these all-time ads, especially this week, because there was a viral video with Deshaun Watson throwing a piece of sushi at DeAndre Hopkins, and he caught it with chopsticks. It really wasn't intended to be that way off the fly. They were going to use some effects, but Scott explains it so well. Let's hear from Scott McClellan, president of HEB Food and Drug. Scott, we've all seen the tweets. Recent commercial shoot with DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. How was that one for you? I know you've done many of these. How was that one in particular? I'll tell you, it's always the best day of the year when I get to do these, whether it's with the Texans or the Astros, that we have so much fun. And I think what's a lot of fun about today is that Houstonians get to see some of their favorite players out of uniform, and they get to see their personality shine through. And let me tell you, in these commercials, you're going to get to see their personality shine through. I got to imagine that there's been some improv over the years, and and maybe this week, too, because we all saw the sushi catch with Watson throwing Hopkins the sushi. I'm sure that wasn't really scripted, or maybe I'm wrong. You tell me about that. No, the bit actually was scripted to where Deshaun was going to throw sushi uh, to DeAndre, and DeAndre was going to catch it, but we thought that we were going to have to use special effects to show it. And so he threw it, and, and it really was amazing, Mark, that on the first throw, DeAndre catches the sushi with a pair of chopsticks. I mean, the dude can catch anything, and everyone on the set just went crazy. And so we then we had a, a, a debate because we normally don't release the commercials until it's time to release them. And we thought to ourselves, this is too good to hang on to because this could be an ESPN top 10 moment. And so we put it together and, and put it out on the uh, on social media. And it's really taken off. And I think yesterday DeAndre said, hey, let's create a sushi challenge. Everybody should try to do this. And uh, shoot, I, when I, I can barely eat with chopsticks, much less catch a flying piece of fish. And uh, he really is talented, I have to tell you. There's another uh, commercial we did where they're dressed up in – and as Roman warriors, and uh, DeAndre, of course, can catch anything with one hand, and he's catching a, a makeshift Roman football with one hand. And, and they're, they're such good sports because, you know, humor is a big part of what we do in our ads, and they go along with the gig and the gags and have a good time doing it. Tell me about some of the other memorable ones over the years. I remember Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, and David Carr. That must have been a fun one, especially when you cross-pollinate the two uh, sports. Poor David, it was rough in those early years. There was one where he was carrying groceries in with, uh, without a bag and was setting them down on the, uh, on the counter. And, uh, and Roger said, where's your bag? And his wife looked at Roger and said, he doesn't like sacks. And there was, it was such a great line, I think, because there was a real double entendre because he was just getting destroyed those first couple of years because he had no protection. And uh, that was a good line. And there was another one where, um, and I can't remember, it was Roger threw the ball over David's house or David threw the ball over Roger's house and ended up in the pool. 
Um, but yeah, we've had we've had those good ones. Maybe one of one of my favorites was when JJ and I did an ad, and and uh, we were playing backyard football, and and JJ was going to tackle me, and I was just recovering from uh, Achilles tendon surgery, and here came JJ running at me, and I was trying to elude him, and I saw my life flash before my eyes. And then, of course, last year, the ad we did with Deshaun where he threw the football and uh, it uh, grazed my head and took my hair off. That one probably got the most comments of any that we've done. But yeah, we've had a good time doing them, and I think Houstonians enjoy them. And, and I think the players like them also, that they have a good time doing them, in part because I think they get good public reaction. Scott, how did it get started, you doing ads with the players as opposed to – I know you do other kinds of advertising and marketing, but how did this particular phase of it get going for HEB? Yeah, so the, the, way, in which we, um, the way in which we did them was we thought, let's, let's try to take the position of being the hometown grocer because we're headquartered in Texas. And part of our go-to-market strategy is because Texans eat differently than people in other parts of the United States that – we want to position ourselves as we understand how local people eat. So we thought, well, to do that, we'll team with local sports teams and have them talk about different things that we do. And we said, well, why don't we have someone from HEB be a spokesperson? Anybody want to volunteer? And I said, well, I'm half ham. I'll do it. And they said, well, you have to play the dumb guy. And I said, well, that won't be a creative stretch for me at all. And so the first ad that we did, we did with uh, – uh, with early on with the Texans, we did it with Antonio Smith and Sean Cody and J.J. Watt, and it was J.J.'s um, rookie year. And we thought, hey, this, this kid from Wisconsin, he kind of has a personality. Let's sign him. And so we signed him, and then the next year he went on to be the defensive player of the year. And mm. you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and we were. And that combination of having him, and then the following year the hurricane came, and we were very responsive to the hurricane. And those were really two big turning points for HEB in our history in Houston was having JJ, the way in which we handled the hurricane, but it really gave us a lot of momentum, along with all the good new stores that we built and, you know, the, the commitment and, and hard work by a lot of people. But it really helped to put HEB on the map. Well, Scott, you mentioned HEB located in Texas, but it takes more than that to create the emotional connection. And I use that word carefully here, but you kind of have an emotional connection with your customers, people almost get misty-eyed talking about HEB. What contributes to that? How do you get that to happen in your role and in the role of everybody who works at HEB? Yeah, I think it's a good question because oftentimes you hear, you will hear people talk about my HEB. And uh, as much as people love Whataburger, you never hear them talk about my Whataburger or you don't hear them talk about uh, my Starbucks. Uh, but there is an emotional connection between people and their HEBs. And I think there are a couple of things that are, uh, that are important. There's one, uh, we work hard to create unique products that uh, are built off of the taste of Texans um, that you can only find, whether it's the tortillas that we make fresh in store or the guacamole or the fresh-made juice. But we spend a lot of time uh, with developing products we tailor the products we carry in every store based off the demographics of the clientele that live around the store. We donate 10% of our pre-tax earnings back to the communities that we serve so that we're a good corporate citizen. And I think that makes, for the people who work at HEB, proud to work at HEB. 
And so the way we talk about it is we sell groceries. That's what pays our bills. But what we really work hard to do is to make Texas a better place to live. And when you work for HEB, that's a good way to spend your time. Rather than saying, oh, I sell groceries for a business, that what, I, what you do is you, you work hard to make the quality of life better for people who live in Texas. And as a result, because people like to work at HEB, I think they do a nice job of taking care of customers in that show. Do you think there are some parallels that you could draw, you being the so-called coach? I'm calling you the coach. You're the president of HEB Food and Drug and working with the employees and what you just said about them, the way they buy in. Are there some parallels between that and the world of sports that you can draw? What what other aspects of, of coaching or managing the employees is really important to you? Well, I think that's a, I, I, I think that's a good point. The man we work for, Charles Butt, who owns HEB, is he has a high standard level of expectation. And when people ask me what it's like to work at HEB, you know, I, this is my common answer. I said, when you work at HEB, and I never know the verb to use, whether you say forced to or allowed to, but I'll use the word forced to. You're forced to be a bigger person than you thought you could be. And so every day when you show up, there's a high standard level of expectation around how you're going to deliver. And and on the one hand, you say, gee, that's, that's an onus or a burden. Like, I got I to gotta perform today. But on the other hand is it's a great way to get to spend your life because if you have an idea, you get an opportunity to bring it forward and, and make it happen. And there's no mediocrity uh, that, and so we oftentimes fight above our weight. I mean, if you think about it, Walmart's 17 times bigger than HEB and uh, Amazon is 40 times bigger than HEB. Yet in Houston, we have the number one market share. If you look at San Antonio, when I joined HEB, we had a 50% market share and there were no Walmarts. Today there are 40 Walmarts and we have a 70% market share in San Antonio. And so one of the things that we've been able to show is that, you know, there is life after Walmart and we can fight above our weight. And so you're constantly looking at how can you do things that the competition can't or won't or hasn't thought of. And it's a good way to spend your life. So I think there are parallels to sports is like, how can you figure out ways to beat the opponent whether it's in the business world or on the, on the field of play by doing things that they haven't thought of or out executing them. And it makes for an exciting way to live your life. Scott, I've heard you speak to a large group before and you're so passionate about what you do. When did you realize this is what you wanted to do? What attracted you to doing what you do? What went into that? What, what can you share with us there? Yeah. When I first got out of school, I worked 10 years for Frito-Lay and, uh, my first job at Frito-Lay, I was in management program, but I ran a Frito route for a year in Southern California. And so I've always, I've always liked food. And at Frito-Lay, you either got promoted or you got fired. And so my wife and I, we, were, we moved eight times in 10 years uh, to different states or different countries. And so I was living in Canada, about to get transferred to India. And I got a call from a friend of mine who said, would you want to go to work for Frito-Lay, excuse me, for H-E-B? And I said, I don't think so. I've never worked in a grocery store. And uh, I said, but I love to eat some Mexican food. If you'll buy me uh, some enchiladas, I'll come down and interview. And so that was 30 years ago almost now. And uh, next thing I knew, I was running 70 stores, and I had never worked in a grocery store. And my wife, after eight weeks, said, well, how do you think things are going? I said, if they find out I have no idea what I'm doing, we're in some deep trouble here. 
And so I kind of coined the phrase, fake it till you make it, that you just, you know, you, I, I really tried to draw from the in collective intelligence of all the people that I worked with and asked them, hey, if you were in my job, what would you do? What are the things that I can do to help you? And I think I began to practice servant leadership before the term was invented, that I realized that I was better off by having other people help me lead. And then I would trade them things that I knew that could help them. And as a team, we kind of figured out how to make a difference in what we did. And I just found that the common denominator in working at a grocery store was if you wouldn't buy it, you shouldn't put it out. And we all buy groceries and it made it a lot easier to like, just, well, what were, what are things that would be of interest to my family? And, and then learning about people from different ethnicities and different income groups and how they eat. And so it's just been a, a fascinating ride that when I joined HUB, we didn't sell sushi. Today, we sell more sushi than we do bananas. And identifying what the latest food trends are, and uh, it's just it's just a lot of fun to do. And uh, I do love what I do. You know, when when you when you get paid to do something that you love to do, you don't look at the clock, and you're blessed. Well, we live in such a digital world now. Everything's changing so fast. All businesses are affected by it. So. How have you been affected by it? How do you keep up? And I think you just answered part of the question by the Socratic method, really. How can I help you? How can I serve you better? But what can you tell us about that, about technology and how it plays in in many different ways, marketing and whatnot? Well, yeah, for the first, you know, 25 years of my career, I would get up every morning and say, dear God, please don't let Walmart squish me like a bug. They're so much larger than us. Now I've changed that prayer to say, Dear God, please don't let Jeff Bezos squish me like a bug because Amazon is so large. But yeah, clearly the way in which people shop, you know, they're time starved and um, they want things quickly. And when you're in a grocery store that sells ingredients and people don't necessarily bake from scratch, you have to change what you do. Here's an interesting factoid. In 1995, of the top 10 grocery stores, only two of them still exist, and that's Walmart and Kroger. All the others have either gone out of business or been bought by someone else or have downsized. And the reason for that was while they were at the top of their game in 1995, the customer changed and they didn't change with the customer. And so if you think about today, um, things like home meal replacement. Um, right now, we do a lot in what we call meal simple, where you can buy pre-made meals and stick them in the oven for 20 minutes. These are just taking off and we're doing great with them. Customers wanting to order their groceries online and either have them delivered or, or come to the store and pick them up. And we're in a real race with Amazon and other retailers to see who can be first at that. And we're having great success. We bought a company called Favor that does uh, home delivery of meals. It's like Uber Eats or DoorDash. But they have, uh, they're the largest player in Texas. It was the largest acquisition that HEB has ever made. But what we knew was that they understood the last mile delivery. And we understood fresh food. And so we really tried to leverage their knowledge of distribution to help us with that. And so what we know is as the customer changes, we either have to change with them or just ahead of them, or we're going to rent, we're going to find ourselves being obsolete. And um, so what made us, you know, there's certain things like low prices and good service and freshness. Those aren't going to change. But in terms of what people eat, like we all eat pizza and hamburgers. But once you get beyond that, like 20 years ago, you didn't eat Brussels sprouts, but today you're paying $12 when you go to a restaurant for a roasted Brussels sprouts with some balsamic vinegar on them because it's chic. And um, mm -hmm. I, when I was young, my mom and I used to play a, a, a game of 
how long could she make me sit at the table until I would either eat my Brussels sprouts or she would give up. And so things change over time. And that's what we're constantly looking at is what do customers want to buy that they don't know they want to buy that they will pay us a little more for. I'll tell you what, it's so fascinating. I could listen to you talk about this business for so long, and I've never had any involvement except you're right. We all have involvement on a daily basis with the grocery business. So tell me this, young people looking to get into a career either in or just out of school, what would your advice be? I know you've been asked this before, but people who don't really know what they want to do or people who are searching, looking for something that they're passionate about, clearly as you mentioned, you didn't really know right away that this is what you're passionate about. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's such a good. That's a great question, Mark. Is that um, look, I I was involved in athletics, and I I I really thought I wanted to go to work for Nike, and this is when Nike was just starting out um, when I got out of school, and because I loved athletics, and so like, should you follow your passion and do that, or can you create your passion around something else? And so what I always tell young people is, you know, rather because look, so many young kids today love video games. They're like, I want to go into video games. And what I think you really have to think about is, what is it that you like to do? What are, is it creativity? Is it, is it influencing people? You know, is it making money? What are those kinds of things? And then as you interview for jobs, go and spend a day with whoever is currently doing the entry-level job you would be hired into. And just go spend a day with them and ask them, what do you like about your job? What don't you like about your job? Because the recruiting people will only tell you the good things about the job. But spend a day with someone who's in the training program or someone who's in that first-level job and ask yourself, is this something I could see myself doing for 10 hours a day? Because if you can't, then you shouldn't. The other thing you get out of that is what's the corporate culture like? Is like, do people call... Uh, call each other Mr. Vandermeer or do they call each other by their first name? Do they have reserved parking places in the lunchroom? Does everybody speak to each other? But what's that corporate culture like? And I always say this is I've been married to my wife for 39 years. And if I start with the premise that I love my wife, but on a weekly basis, I often spend more time with the people I work with than I do with my wife. And so if I don't like who I work with and what I do, then it only stands the reason I'm not going to be super happy. And so if you like what you do, then you really lead a good life. And if what you do doesn't occur as work, then you're really lucky in what you do. So that's what I always tell young people. Go, go invest a day with who you think you might go to work with, and you'll make a much better decision than if you get into a job you, you hate because it, really, it really will make for a, a less enriching life. Outstanding wisdom there, Scott. Uh, tell me something finally here. Working with the Texans for so many years, it's been a great partnership. The Texans and HEB go hand in hand. What about your association with the Houston Texans over the years as president of HEB Food and Drug? The Texans such a, a, a top-notch organization, really, from top to bottom, whether it's with uh, the McNairs, uh, Jamie Roots. Uh, is really one of my favorite people. Uh, you talk about people that you like to just sit down with and hear them talk. Jamie is such a great guy. And, and then the players, whether it's been JJ, you know, Vince Wilfork has really been one of my favorite people that I've worked with in ads, and he and Bianca, such quality people. And, and Vince is the type of guy that you work with him in the ads, and he becomes a friend, and, you, and he'll have a life 
uh, outside of sports that you just, as you see things and opportunities for him to be able to contribute, whether it's in the community or in the business world, he's such a high quality person. You say, Hey, how can I, how can I find things for him to be able to contribute, contribute in? And, and then the Sean Watson, what a high character person. And, um, and just a good person, you know, he's training this summer out in, in Los Angeles just to hone his skills. But uh, what a role model that other people can look to in terms of his hard work. And then I just met DeAndre this week, and what a big personality he has and good person. So you know, we look hard in terms of the type of people. We look at our brand and say, what type of people can reflect positively on our brand and will our brand work well with them? And, uh, you know, the I think the Texans reflect well on HEB, and hopefully the HEB reflects well on the Texans. And it's been a great partnership, and we look forward to continuing it. Well, we value it. We love the partnership with HEB. And, Scott, thanks so much for your time, and we look forward to seeing the commercials when they hit the air and the making of the commercial stuff during preseason games coming up this August. Hey, on, on one of the ads, I, uh, I play an announcer. And, Uh-oh. Uh, and I, try to, I try to emulate you. Now, I don't do the rock and roll piece. But I do uh, go a little bit over the top. I, I may even outshine you a little bit on one of these ads. That's not fair. I have no shot at doing what you do. <laughs> I have no chance. <laughs> I'm okay, looking well, forward to seeing I that. I have my best radio voice on this. You'll have to see it. All right. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Take care. Well, there's our conversation with Scott McClellan, the president of HEB Food and Drug. Check out all the other podcasts on HoustonTexans.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. They're all over the place. iTunes, Stitcher. I'm a Stitcher guy, actually, because I'm an Android user. Don't judge me for that. Anyway, great to have you listening as usual. Have a great day, everyone, and go Texans.